Welcome to the Bonfire. I am Morgan, aka Bond Diesel, and this is a podcast about video game news, speculation, rumors, and reviews. This week I'll be covering new The Division 2 content, Bioware is being sued, and then some, me being a YouTube partner now, and much more. A few things before we get started. Subscribe to the channel on your favorite podcast platform, including iTunes and Spotify. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, hit the like button for this video, comment with your thoughts, questions for next week, or to just say hello, and become a member if you'd like to support this podcast and the rest of my content. A special thank you to all my patrons, including producer-level patron Hassan, supporter-level patrons PK, The Dawn, Cage Nephilim, and Neuronix, as well as viewer-level patron Zenra. If you're interested in supporting this podcast and getting ad-free episodes for as little as $1 per month, please check out patreon.com slash bonddiesel. Patreon also did a bunch of updates recently um, where there's like chat rooms and stuff like that. I'm exploring those things and we'll just kind of see what I'm going to use and what I'm not. So we'll see. Okay, so let's get into the gaming news. This week I have 12 topics. First topic is the Division 2 Year 5 Season 2. So if you're a Division fan and you've been continuing to play uh, the game and pay attention to all of the updates, uh, there was a pretty solid update that just came out, uh, which was uh, preceded by a live stream where they where they talked about all the stuff. Um, it was uh, Yannick, who's the creative uh, director of the Division 2 currently, and uh, Daria, who's one of the... Uh, community developers uh, these streams are, are tough um, I still would argue that they would be better off putting out like a 10 minute pre-recorded like edited nice tight video to explain the things that are coming the things that are changing uh, and to do it a little more efficiently um, instead they do these like hour hour and a half streams where it's just awkward and and i don't think it actually presents information very well it's um th there used to be kind of a charm to their live streams especially like the state of the game where they did these weekly news streams for the division one and two for a while um but that you know their production levels got pretty good and 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 they got into a pretty good flow and in these streams they just they don't happen often and you can tell it's you know not what the, these individuals are, are doing on a day-to-day -day basis and it's just um i don't know i don't think it's the best way to disperse this info but you know whatever it's all good um for what they actually showed us was they talked a bit about the new incursion uh there's a an incursion which if you didn't play division one or two um division two has raids uh what you think of when you think of like uh destiny two or destiny in general and its raids uh now in the division they're actually eight v eight where there's two teams of four that have to work together and do these raids um in the division one there weren't raids but there were these things called incursions and what they essentially were were like mini raids and they were four player co-op and they had matchmaking and all of that stuff so this incursion coming back to division two is a pretty big deal it's um i assume an acknowledgement of 
I think that the raids weren't very successful. Um, they just didn't really design those raids to work for the player base that the division has. The, div the division has to have a notoriously uh, hot and cold uh, community, at least in my observation, where they just they don't stick around. But when you put out new content, they come back in droves. So the problem is when they would do these raids, you know, they were eight person raids where even Destiny only does six and it has a a much healthier and a much more uh, consistent player base, it seems. And they did these eight person raids and they did two of them. And they were kind of mired by other issues, accusations of cheating, the world's first people uh, supposedly having inside info on uh, or maybe data mine stuff. It's, you know, that got ignored real quick, uh, probably for a reason. But the, the raids to me just always felt like kind of a waste of development time and stuff like that, because I just don't think that the raids were really meant for the community that the division has, where these incursions, these smaller bits of content seem to be. Um, I jumped into this incursion and tried to matchmake it in the first couple hours it was out, and it was a nightmare. My build was not built for this uh, content, and people didn't know what to do yet. I suspect if I jump in now, it'll be better, uh, and I can do a little research and see how you actually do the raid uh, or the incursion. Uh, so that seems like good content. I don't know how repeatable it's going to be, but it seems like people are overall happy with it. Now, the thing with season two is each season has a manhunt. And the manhunt this time is the recruiter. So uh, in the division, there's these um, kind of shadowy figures who are kind of like the your main antagonist. Uh, and they're called hunters, uh, where you play as an agent. And these hunters have had this presence throughout the entire franchise of being these kind of like really scary, very formidable, um, again, mysterious kind of all in black you know wearing heavy armor and being like you know having similar tech skills as you uh these these really interesting uh figures to fight against and learn more about and uh the recruiter is is the main target for this season's manhunt um this this uh this hunter has shown up in previous content in the division two where they've been kind of building up to this, that this this hunter has been scouting you as your player out this whole time. And we'll kind of have to see where they're gonna go with that. I um, I hate the design of this hunter. Uh, the hunter had a more typical design, this, this recruiter hunter uh, had a, a, a normal design in previous content where they showed up. And for whatever reason, they've decided to make them look completely different and not actually even look like a hunter. It's really weird it's in my opinion it looks kind of tacky or cheesy uh but it, it doesn't matter i guess um we'll fight them at the end of this uh at the end of the season which is you know a few months away uh if, if you don't know if if you don't know anything about this game they used to do i believe it was three weeks so every three weeks um there would be a new uh like a lieutenant that you would go after so the way the manhunts work is there's the main target but you have to take out four targets before you get to that and so the first target would come out and three weeks three weeks later second target three weeks later third target three weeks later fourth target and the final manhunt and uh, i believe they've extended that out to like four or five weeks each and so um 
Uh, it sounds like they basically just needed more time uh, to get this content done before uh, it came out. Uh, and and that means that these seasons are going to be much longer and that this year five isn't even going to end probably, I think, until like next spring or even early summer. So there you are. Uh, and then they're going to do a cosmetic event as well. Um, I It's a cyberpunk event. They And they didn't just like come out and say it, even though it's obviously what it is. I'm sure there's people who are into it. I think it the gear that they showed off looked pretty awful. Um, I, I just don't, I don't know. I've acknowledged and I've accepted that literally years ago, they basically, the, the aesthetic style they've gone for with the Division 2 and the post-release content, especially with cosmetics and stuff, is just not my taste. And um, it seems like they're having fun with it. So for the devs, uh, that's cool. I'm excited for them. Uh, but... I, I don't get it. I, I really, really basically everything. And, and they even and they've always been so antagonistic about being like, well, we know everyone just wants tactical stuff, but we can't just do that. And then they did. They've done like two like tactical uh, cosmetic drops and they've both the first one was just extremely low quality and all of the gear looked really awful. And then the second one, it was kind of the same thing. Like it just none of the stuff was like. I don't know. Maybe it's, uh, you know, the grass is always greener. You, you know, you get what you want. You don't like it. Maybe that's why they don't do it again. But I don't know. I'm in a weird spot with Division 2. Um, so we know Division 3 is in, like, early thoughts. You know, it's not even in pre-production as far as we know. Um, the Division 2, some people seem to think that they're going to keep supporting it for, like, years and years. Um, I don't see how or why. Uh, I My issue is that... The content they're putting out is really impressive for the pretty small team that they have, and I imagine pretty limited budget that they have. But I, I think each season, the, the content, it just seems to have a lower and lower quality bar. And I think at, at some point, it's like damaging to the brand to keep putting out this content that's just so like just fine but not really that good and uh maybe that's just me i'm sure there's a lot of people who disagree but i would really like them to to you know they can give division a break they can have year five finish up you know start running through all of the the content again doing all all of the global events and all of that stuff again like what they've done with division one except they have a lot more variety here that they can do and just, you know, focus on Division 3. That's that's where the money is going to be. Uh, and that's also where the content is going to be in the long run. So I, if it's if it's between, uh, say they do a year six, and that means that Division 3 is like six years out, or they don't, or they end at year five, and the Division 3 is like three and a half, four years away, I would take the second one all day, every day. I just, I, I just don't think that whatever content they're going to put out with a year six of division two is going to feel like it's worth what it's probably going to cost. So that's just my take. Um, but overall, I'm happy that they're putting out more content. You know, more division is always a good thing. And uh, I'm excited to jump into this sooner than later. Oh, Bioware. Um, so <laughs> Bioware is being sued uh, by the employees that laid off uh, a month or so ago. Uh, they laid off 50 employees that seemed like they were mostly working on Dragon Age Dreadwolf. Uh, it seemed like it was mostly writing staff, uh, though there were more technical jobs that seemed to be laid off as well. 
Um, and so what's happened is of those 50, uh, seven people um, have decided to file a lawsuit uh, as a group uh, to essentially get a better severance package. Uh, so it, it seems like the uh, typical severance package that one would get would be about a month uh, of pay for every year that you worked there. And some of these people worked there for, you know, 15, 20 years, uh, quite a few of them. And I believe especially these seven who are suing. And I believe that the package they were offered was essentially half of that. I don't understand Canadian law. I don't know labor, all of that stuff. None of that stuff. I'm not an attorney. I don't live there. Uh, I don't even know that stuff that well here in the States because I'm pretty sure there's, there just basically isn't any of that kind of stuff. But it seems like they shortchanged them and, and their attorney even alleges that they were like guilt tripped uh, to take that lower deal because if they took the full deal, the, the what's expected, I think even what's illegal, uh, they were being guilt tripped into saying something like it could damage the rest of the team that's still going to be there. And basically, I, I assume blackmailing them and being like, if you take your full severance, we're going to shut down Bioware or something like it's just really messed up stuff. If it's true, which I assume it is. I mean, it was um, a lot of these statements came from a document that was filed by the attorney for the um, the, the people doing the lawsuit. Uh, and it was like a statement of fact or something like that. So you can't enter that kind of info and like exaggerate it too much or lie about it because you'll get yourself in a whole lot of trouble and uh, end up going to jail yourself. So um, it seems like for whatever reason, even though EA um, has almost unlimited resources, you know, and where Bioware may not individually as a subsidiary, you know, you, you got to treat your people right, especially when you're firing them. You, you you have to do this the right way. And it seems like they didn't. And if I remember correctly, I saw somewhere that uh, in this lawsuit, they aren't just asking for what they were deserved, the, the month of pay per year that the that they worked there. But now they're asking for six weeks, a month and a half of pay uh, for every year they worked there. And good for them. They should. That's what they should get. Um. An annoying part about this, though, was another article that came out uh, this week uh, that basically was titled to say Bioware fires all unionized QA uh, testers. And that headline is like, oh, my God, like, what are they doing? Like, why are they laying all these people off? Why are they firing all these people? Like, can't you isn't illegal to fire unionized workers, blah, blah, blah. Well, what the act and if you actually read the story, this was by uh, from Polygon. Uh, the headline implied that Bioware fired these people. The story clarifies that it was a third party QA studio uh, that had a contract with Bioware. Uh, that contract ended in August. And then here in October, they laid 13 of their workers off because they didn't have a new contract for them to work on. The, the, the toppers on this story is that these QA workers unionized over the summer and there's some concern that they're that the contract wasn't renewed because of that because it cost too much which is how contracts work you're allowed to do that or that they um they, they didn't get them new contracts, the third party company they worked for because they were unionized there's also the topic of it's 
kind of a shady practice in general for a company like BioWare and EA to be contracting with third party for QA at all, instead of just hiring their own, because they're plenty big enough to do that. The only defense to that I can see is that QA is probably a a boom and bust uh, need in, in studios where there may be times like right now with Dragon Age Dreadwolf, they are probably testing it extensively as it you know leads up to release. And so they need a lot of QA people. And then I assume when after a game comes out and they may not have a game coming out really soon, like Bioware won't, it isn't worth having the QA staff as big, I guess. That seems like a stretch as well, though. I just... This story sucks because the 50 people getting laid off from Bioware and the seven people suing is a legit, very, you know, it's a big deal and it's a story that should be covered and Bioware and EA should catch a lot of hell for it, right? This story is a little different because there is some like some shadiness going on from EA and Bioware just doing these contracts in general. But then this article was definitely playing off of the, the legit issue the, the story of the 50 layoffs and the seven people suing and it, it by like implying that bioware was the one who fired these people which they weren't it's you know trying to drum up that story a bit more where when you actually read the article it explains really clearly that uh it was just a contract situation and uh it, it sucks that that qa studio laid them off uh because it's that QA studio's job to find new contracts with any publisher uh, to to give these people a job to do. And it seems really shady that they didn't do that. Um, and I just, I think it's interesting. It's, there's this tendency to dogpile and, and that's kind of what's happening here because the fan reaction to this QA situation is implying that most of those people just read the headline and didn't read the article. Uh, even the author of the article, um, I responded to him and I said, hey, like who writes the, the headlines for an article like this? Because the headline is basically a lie and the article explains the truth. And they didn't respond to me, but I noticed on their personal Twitter, they said, uh, you know, for people who didn't read the article and then they explained what really happened. The problem is, is that she's uh, she was talking to the people who, you know, were unhappy about the headline or whatever. And I'm, I'm not unhappy with the headline because of what it says. I'm unhappy with it because it's not true, because it's not accurate. And it was obviously sensationalized for clicks because these, you know, the layoffs at a QA studio, the layoffs at Bioware are all stories that are bad enough already. They don't need exaggeration or sensationalism or lies. They are bad. Like these are bad things that are happening and they are um, a big enough deal to report on honestly. And uh, it's just kind of frustrating for me to see stuff like that. And, you know, whenever I see, you know, games journalists and stuff, you know, kind of commiserating over how they catch so much hell from gamers and stuff. You know, much of the time it's not deserved. Much of the time it's weird and sell due to unfortunately probably kind of look like me, you know, um, who are just being weird about stuff and doing console war stuff or being like gamer gatey, stuff like that. But then you have a situation like this with this article where it probably wasn't the author. It was probably her editor who wanted a spicy headline that 
even if it wasn't really true. And so they did it. And now that writer is catching hell. And that's why I made sure not to be like antagonistic towards them, because I'm willing to bet they probably don't love the headline either. They probably love the clicks their articles getting, but maybe not the reason it's getting them. And I just, um, I don't know. It, it, it sucks. Um, Bioware and EA look pretty awful um, for the layoff in general, for not appropriately compensating these people, especially if they did try to like badger them into taking a lesser deal and a deal that may even be illegal under Canadian labor law. Again, that's outside of my purview. Um, and I hope that if they that they they win their lawsuit, and I really hope that uh, what I saw about them trying to get fifty uh, percent more than what they were even owed is true, because they should. Uh, it's the pain and suffering. Thing, right that they um in in ea and bioware should you know they tried to pull something shady they got caught and called out and now they should have to pay right uh this third party thing with the qa staff like i i really wish that qa studio was catching a lot of hell um and and maybe there's a, a place to look at ea and bioware and say like hey come on you, you don't need these kind of shady th- third party qa studios just do it yourself so hopefully something comes of all that um i uh, you know, I've seen people saying like, oh, I don't even want Dragon Age Dreadwolf and stuff anymore. Like, I get that take. I, I don't share it. There's still, you know, hundreds of thousands of people working on this stuff that, you know, putting their blood, sweat and tears in it. Even the people who were laid off. Uh, I've seen many of them saying that they like really are excited about Dragon Age Dreadwolf and they, they, they wish the best for the people still working on it. And they hope people love it as much as they do. Like, there's a lot of good juju around Dragon Age Dreadwolf directly. <laughs> But then when you talk about all this other stuff, it, it, it gets nasty, right? Uh, and on top of that, now Bioware's hiring again. They they have four positions currently listed uh, on their on their careers page. Uh, none of them, which appear to be any of the positions that were laid off, but it's still not a great look. What does have a great look is Forza Motorsport. So. Uh, on uh, the Xbox uh, first party exclusive PC and Xbox game Forza Motorsport. Uh, The last one was Forza Motorsport 7. Uh, This one drops the number because they're trying to make it into like a platform supposedly where they're just going to build onto this game for a really long time. Uh, It has a Metacritic score of 85. Um, I've played probably about five probably closer to 10 hours of this by now um i really like it it's very good uh in one capacity it's definitely a like graphical showcase for xbox especially the series x uh this is set up really well with the gameplay modes where there's a quality mode where it's 4k 30 frames per second like ray tracing all the pretty stuff it looks very good there's a performance mode that's 60 FPS with variable resolution and no ray tracing. Uh, and it looks actually really good too. And it plays really well at that 60 FPS. And then there's performance ray tracing, which is a, um, it has ray tracing. It has like kind of subdued ray tracing, but it still has 60 FPS. And uh, it's, that's what I've, I've been playing on. Uh, the reflections and stuff look great. The lighting is so nice. Uh, it's a mix of ray tracing and, and older school techniques. Uh, and it just looks so good. Uh, but the looks, you know, for me, for the most part, looks on a game are typically a first impression. And then as you play the game, especially this one, it's more about the the gameplay and like the progression, right? And so the progression of the Forza games has always been kind of weird in that it just didn't always feel super motivating to keep playing it like it didn't keep pulling you in 
where with this one it's it, it, it is there i think it is uh has a good progression system so you have a driver progression system where you have levels and stuff that you're earning then each individual vehicle does as well and so when you start a race series with a car it's pretty bare bones and then as you you know you, you can level up multiple times per race and when you level up it opens up new um parts and stuff that you can buy for your car as well as the currency to buy those parts and you know what's really fun is that you'll have a say there's a, a circuit where there's five different races um so in the first race your car is pretty much bare bones by the final race you're like probably upgrading it as much as you're able and your car from the first race to the last completely different and it's but it happens subtly through all the races and it's really fun um on top of that the just the feeling of the cars um racing games are tough because you don't want them to be overly punishing um you know forza isn't like a hyper realistic simulator it's also not a straight up arcade game like uh, forza horizon for example uh, this is obviously living in a similar space as gran turismo uh, which is a sony exclusive um and it just the cars you can feel their like breakpoint where like you can the, the thing about racing it's fun because if you do your brakes and your acceleration and your angles right you can ride right on the edge where if you push it a little too hard you're gonna spin out and lose the race but if you don't push it hard enough you're gonna lose because you aren't gonna be competing and the way that the the weight of the cars and the way they move and the way you can feel the brakes and the tires and everything working together is you can feel that you can feel that balance and it's it's really cool because it's it has a lot of good feedback both in like in the controller and visually and it just does a lot of stuff so well and it's just a very satisfying game to play and on top of that the sounds like the engine sounds and the sounds of the environment and like like there was a really cool race where uh, uh it was raining and it was not raining very hard at the beginning of the race you could hear the rain a little in the sound of the wet road and the splashes and stuff but then it, I believe by the end of the race it was raining uh, it must have different rain amounts and it was raining really really heavily at the end and because of the sound of the rain and the th and, and more water uh and, and it just was really loud and you could barely hear the car by the end of the race because it had become uh, a more severe storm and, and stuff it was it was really really cool and so the sounds the engines everything in this game sound really really good um even the like echoes and stuff I, at first i thought there was a bug until i realized that when i'd be going near a wall or something you would be hearing the echo of your engine so it would sound like you're hearing it twice but it only happens when you're near something that would reflect the sound it's just it's very good uh forza motorsports really good um even the 85 metacritic score i think is maybe a hair low from what i've played so far uh, i've seen some people say that it you know that they don't like the progression system things like that i mean that's gonna be so subjective um but for me personally i'd have it closer to a 9 out of 10. um it's very very good it looks really really good um for people like me who basically play a racing game every four or five years when the new Forza comes out, which is what I typically do. And I'll dabble in like the arcade games as well. Uh, this is great. I I'm extremely impressed by it. 
Um, another game that came out this week uh, was Assassin's Creed Mirage. Um, this one I feel a lot differently about. <laughs> um, it's Metacritic score is 77. Uh, this is the game that it was originally a DLC for Valhalla, uh, which came out a couple years ago. Uh, there's a character in Valhalla called Basim, um, and he is a you know he is one of the assassins. Where in Odyssey and Origins, the whole idea of the actual assassins that you played as in Assassin's Creed One, Two, Three, and Unity, and so on, um, were kind of not very present in Origins and especially in Odyssey. And, and then in Valhalla, they were technically, but it was still just not the same. You know, they've changed the game. Origins and Odyssey and Valhalla are a different type of game than the old school Assassin's Creeds. Well, Mirage was supposed to be a kickback to those old games. Assassin's Creed 1, Assassin's Creed 2, especially. And it is, for sure. Um, it was, like I said, supposed to be a DLC for Basim to explain his background. And instead, they turned it into its own game. Okay, so the good of it is um, it takes place in Baghdad um, in like in like ancient Baghdad, and it looks very cool. It, it's a the environment is very nice. Um, it feels very alive. There's lots of NPCs. There's uh, it has the old school parkour system, which feels really nice to play in again. It's also a little janky, but maybe that's a user error more than the game. Um, and that's kind of where the nice things I have to say end. <laughs> the um, I've played uh, five to ten hours of this as well, and it just it looks real bad. Um, I like the environment in general, but if you look too closely, I'm playing on my PC. This I got a PC code um, from Ubisoft. Thank you, Ubisoft. Um, they provided the code to me uh, as a Ubisoft content creator. Um, so I'm playing, I have a 5800X, a 4070 Ti, and 32 gigs of RAM. I'm playing this game uh, at, uh, at, at ultra high settings with no DLSS or anything. So I'm playing it the best it should, it can look possible. And it looks awful. It looks so bad. And it's such a bummer because like it's on the Anvil Next engine which is the same engine as the other Assassin's Creed's Far Cry, uh, the Ghost Recon games all use this engine. And I assume it's still competent when it comes to doing like big open world spaces because all of those games do those well. But man, it's really suffering and it looks so aged and so out of date when it comes to like a lot of the texture work is really low quality. The my God, their faces like the like the characters faces and their eyes and their hair. They just look terrible. It looks so bad. Like it's really just it's distracting how awful it is. Um. You can tell this game was a smaller project because like all the cutscenes and stuff are done in engine, but they typically kind of guzzy those up a little bit to make them look a little bit nicer. Uh, this is just straight gameplay cutscenes, and they look real bad. Like it's just like their eyes. Like this engine has always had a weird thing with like characters' eyes and stuff, like almost looking like buggy or being like like standing out too much from the rest of the characters. It just it it's like. It doesn't look very good and that can be made up for uh, for in gameplay and i've played lots of games that don't look great and i feel outdated stuff like that because they're just fun to play and i just haven't found the fun in the hours i've played this um i i'm going through i'm 
towards the end of my second Baldur's Gate 3 playthrough. Uh, I want to get back to playing some Division, some Mass Effect. I, I even want to do another Starfield playthrough eventually. Uh, you know, in next year, we should have like Sinuous Saga and uh, other games come out. I want to get back to Battlefield 2042. And when I think about all of those things, I want to play more Forza too. When I think about all of those things, you know, for me to play and to finish Mirage, it would, you know, my first five, 10 hours of it would, should have me wanting more, uh, wanting to, oh yeah, what happens with that storyline or with this? And I just couldn't care less. I just couldn't, I couldn't imagine having less motivation to play a game. Um, like I haven't really been impressed with cyberpunk. I would rather play cyberpunk for the next two months straight than play more Mirage. It's just, and I have lots of problems with cyberpunk. I just, there's just something, there's just no, there's no hook. Nothing's pulling me in. Um, it just feels like I have these feelings of like, oh, that's cool. They're kind of trying to do the old thing again. I do like that. I just wish it didn't feel like this game was 10 years old. Like, you know, as much as people talk about like Starfield feeling outdated and stuff like that, Mirage feels legitimate. Like it feels like a DLC to Assassin's Creed 2. And I want to say with a remaster to bring it up graphically, and I'm sure it looks better graphically than Assassin's Creed 2, but from from my eyes now, it just doesn't seem like it. It just it doesn't feel good to play. It doesn't look good to play. I'm, I'm bummed. I, I wish it was better, but here we are. Okay, Naughty Dog uh, has laid off uh, 25 contracted employees and supposedly their multiplayer game has been, been put on ice. Uh, so a story came out this week. Uh, when it comes to the Bioware, Naughty Dog, um, Epic, it's, there's, it's a weird year because from a gameplay quality, from like a game quality standpoint, 2023 has been one of the best years in the history of gaming from a from a game industry health point of view this may be the worst year ever so we're having this weird juxtaposition of the games coming out are really really good but the industry looks sick and that's possible because you have to keep in mind that games coming out this year didn't just start development this year. They started development four, five, six years ago. And what's concerning to me is that we're seeing all of this, all of these trials and tribulations for these studios and publishers. And my concern is three, four, five years from now. And like, you know, the games that are getting started right now in the middle of all this turmoil, like, are they ever going to come out? what quality are they gonna what quality are they going to be at and things like that um and so it, it's a bummer so this naughty dog story they, they laid off 25 contracted workers and apparently one of them spoke anonymously i believe it was to jason schreier and pointed out that that last of us multiplayer game it was uh called factions or at least that's what people were calling it uh i remember people thinking that some of the concept art kind of looked like the division and it was supposed to be this open world multiplayer the last of us game and it originally started scope as being something fairly small and then it's gotten progressively it got bigger to the point where they were going to take their time to to really work on it and now uh, i believe one of these people who was laid off uh spoke anonymously and pointed out that that the, this, this multiplayer game isn't necessarily canceled but it's 
probably indefinitely delayed or it's on ice and typically that means that it may not be canceled yet it probably will be uh, this comes alongside rumors that they are doing a remaster of the last of us 2 already which is just like you know sony's been catching hell for this with the way that they do especially with the last of us but you know what people are gonna buy it people are gonna go out and pay 70 bucks for it and so people can moan and groan about some of this like arguably anti-consumer stuff from Sony. Uh, but as long as they keep buying their consoles and keep buying the things that they consider are bad, like the part one quote unquote remake, uh, and what's probably gonna be with this, the last of us Two remaster. And then after that, they're probably going to release a, the last of us part one and two <laughs> package. That's going to be like a hundred dollars. Um, you know, people can get mad about it and moan and groan about it. I think it sucks because uh, like these kind of updates, what, what's frustrating about it is that if it's a straight up remake, like part one was for The Last of Us, that's somewhat reasonable to charge for and, and do. But the problem is, is that like it's almost certain that this The Last of Us 2 remake or remaster, it's probably a remaster that should just be an update to the game. Like. I understand that maybe they're putting in a ton of time and, and money into doing it. And so they and so they or Sony feels like they should be compensated for that. But they already made probably they, they probably did well with that game, uh, even though it probably cost a lot to make. I'm, I'm sure they made plenty to make up for it. And it's um, it just gets to the point where it starts to feel kind of greedy and anti-consumer where we've seen, uh, you know, Xbox especially do some of their programs where they do, um, you know, where, you know, it upgrades the games automatically and stuff like that uh, once those updates come out. And that just seems like the better way to handle this kind of stuff. But, you know, we're multiple years into this generation and I don't really expect Sony or Microsoft to drastically change the way they do these kind of things, especially when they work, when they make money off of them. So hopefully, you know, I'm sure Naughty Dog is fine as a studio. It's just my guess is that they are focusing very heavily on their next big project, which uh, seems like is pretty um, commonly assumed to be The Last of Us 3. Um, so we'll have to see if they uh, formally announce that sooner than later. Cyberpunk 2 might have a third person option. Uh, so there's some interviews this week in the kind of in the aftermath of Phantom Liberty. And one of the devs talked about how they didn't regret making Cyberpunk 1, uh, 2077, a first person only game. But that there is a possibility that the next game that they have already started on uh, could have a third person option as well. This is a little disingenuous to me because if I remember correctly, Cyberpunk 1 was supposed to have a third person mode as well. And they cut it because they um because they basically probably didn't have time to do it um because you have to consider that if you have a game that's first or third person you have to do um, animations for both of those and you have to do the full set of all of the animations uh not to mention that uh cyberpunk 2077 is a game that has uh, where you can like look down and see your character's feet and stuff like uh, there's some games where when you're in the player character's point of view your body doesn't actually exist beyond like the arms you see in front of you um but there's other games like cyberpunk where you the camera is in the character models like eyes and you can look down and see yourself you know and um 
I understand why that's probably a difficult thing to do development wise. And then what we know about Cyberpunk 1 after it released uh, and that it was kind of rough um, in that they, you know, it was probably good that they cut the third person thing or else it would have just been another big load uh, on their on their studio that they obviously weren't prepared to do considering the state of the game when it released. So um We'll see. Uh, it, it's really interesting when I uh, was talking about the Bioware story. Um, the, this the cyberpunk is a is a big is a really good example of how a studio's reputation can get pretty down in the dumps. Um, CDPR CD Project Red was catching a lot of hell for. Um, bad business practices. They straight up lied about cyberpunk. Uh, they very blatantly hid the issues with the last gen versions of the game. They, you know, they just did a lot of kind of shady stuff and they released a game that was extremely buggy. That was not quite the game that they advertised. And then it took, you know, over a hundred million dollars and multiple years to get the game even to a state that it probably should have released in. Um, but now everyone's singing its praises. There's people who think Phantom Liberty should be game of the year. I think that's insane, but there's people who are there. And as a testament to how, you know, Bioware should maybe be a little bit hopeful about being able to recover is that uh, Cyberpunk 2077, I believe, sold like 13 or 14 million copies in the first month. Uh, the estimates I saw about returns, because that was a big thing. Like, oh, everyone's returning. It was like a quarter mil. And I bet a lot of those people have repurchased the game since then. Uh, and then now they announced this week that they sold 25 million copies, uh, you know, which means that they have only sold 10 million more copies only. 10 million is a lot. Uh, 10 million sales in, at all is really good for a game. Um, but it, it's just you have to remember that as much controversy as there was and stuff like that, be it because of pre-orders or hype or you know remembering that like the vast majority of gamers aren't eternally online like a lot of us don't pay attention to twitter and youtube and all that they just see games they want to play and they play them um that game still was insanely successful even when it was still a complete mess in that first month when cyberpunk was still a complete crap show it was still it probably made back its money and 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 many many times more in that first month with 15 million in sales almost so if 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 you if people ever think that a studio is really down and out and can't ever come back i would disagree i would say it's always a possibility and i think cyberpunk has been a really good example of that or a really bad example depending on how you look at it Redfall is back in the news. Oddly enough, it is getting a huge, I believe, a 2.0 update. Um, it's one of it's it's one of few really big patches they've had since it came out early in the summer. But it's adding a ton of things that people had their main gripes about. It has a 60 FPS mode on Series X. Uh, it's changed the enemy AI a lot. It's changed the gunplay and the just the general feel of the game a lot. Uh, I guess it's uh, made the open world a lot more interactive and have a lot more activities. It kind of sounds like it's getting close to the game it was originally hoped to be. What's interesting is there's been a lot of conversation I've seen in the last day or two about this and that is it too late for Redfall? And what's interesting is that Redfall got written off so quickly that I actually think it has a better chance of having some kind of bounce back than if it would have had a little bit 
better of a reception and been drawn out more, but people were still unhappy with it. Where I feel like Redfall came out, everyone was like, nope, that sucks. I'm not going to play it. And like, like I didn't even get that sour of a taste. Like I played it for a like for like a, an hour or two. And I was like, wow, this is awful. I do not want to play this anymore. But I don't have this like, I don't like hate Redfall. I just, oh, it was on Game Pass. I downloaded it. I played it for a couple hours. I didn't like it. I deleted it. It was fine. And now because I because it's on Game Pass, they have this big update. I'm kind of waiting to see some chatter about it. But if there's any good vibes around it, I'll just download it and play it again. And if it really feels better, then I'll I'll, I'll play it more. And it, it, I saw some people being like, it's not too late for Redfall to be game of the year. I mean, it probably is. Let's be honest. But I think it isn't too late for it to have a man. That was a complete mess when it came out but it actually is a pretty cool game now and you should check it out um that studio i believe it's arcane you know is a good studio and so i don't think anyone really believed that the game that came out was the game they really believed in and wanted to make um and then you know it didn't help that xbox you know executives basically threw it under the bus and were like yeah we never like they basically didn't care about that game. They let them make it because they try to be hands off, but they basically didn't support it in any way, shape or form. And, you know, had Starfield come out when it was originally meant to Redfall wouldn't have been such a bad look, but because Redfall ended up being the first first party game in like a year and a half to come out, I think since basically Halo Infinite, like big game. And then it ended up getting more uh, attention than it was probably meant to have, and it definitely wasn't ready for it. So, you know, Redfall, if I'm willing to give it another shot, uh, and maybe you should too, that's, uh, that's a you decision. Uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 has had its big reveal. Uh, they they do this every time with this game where they do, they bring in like 200 content creators and do uh, big, uh, you know, like big multiplayer tournaments and stuff like that. Um, from what I saw, I mean, it is, I'm a sucker for Call of Duty. I really wish that you could just buy the story for like 10 bucks um, because the multiplayer, I'm just, I'm like too old now. <laughs> I'm just, I just can't compete like I used to in it. Even though I actually do still enjoy it. Um, I'm always good for like a month or two to play it and have fun with it. And um, I mean, it looks good. They're adding little bits and bobs and the game's pretty and it looks like a lot of fun I, from what we've seen so far. The story seems like it's going to be great. I just don't think I can justify 70 bucks uh, to, to do that. And it's like one of those things where I'm like, come on, acquisition, just go through and then put this game on game pass um i believe modern warfare 3 does actually have a marketing deal with sony though and those marketing deals almost always come with uh an agreement that they will not put it on game pass for a long time if ever and so i'm really curious to how that's going to work um i mean sony's uh, you know sony and microsoft you know their their deals have held up even after acquisition there were games that bethesda zenimax owned that still came out exclusive on sony even after the acquisition because that was the deal that was agreed on and so I'm, I'm really hoping that maybe modern warfare 3 eventually makes it to game pass so i can play through the story because i really enjoy it but i just don't think i can do the uh the full price because uh, I just don't really care about the multiplayer <laughs> anymore. Uh, it's not because it's not worthy of being cared for. It's because I'm getting old. Uh, speaking of that acquisition, uh, it's believed that the Microsoft acquisition of um, 
Activision Blizzard King is pretty likely to go through in uh, on the 13th of this month in October. Uh, it's expected that the CMA over in uh, Great Britain uh, or in England is going to uh, United Kingdom, whatever, uh, is going to approve the deal next week. And they're probably going to move pretty quickly after that. And um, hopefully this whole saga can finally pass us by. I'm ready to just move on to the next deal everyone's going to complain about. Uh, hit the news that uh, this week, uh, five former Ubisoft executives were arrested for sexual misconduct. Uh, one of them was uh, a, f a fellow named Serge. Um, that, that's notable. Keep keep that in mind for a second. Um, so this was a long time ongoing uh, investigation by French authorities into a bunch of accusations that came out um, about Ubisoft executives uh, a couple years ago. And a lot of it was kind of the still toxic, but more like typical, like people being fired because of their race or gender and stuff like that, like stuff that unfortunately we kind of come to expect, especially from these kind of older school and older school ran companies like Ubisoft. But then a bunch of the accusations were like really over the top and like had to deal with a lot of like really awful stuff. And I'm really, I'm glad to see these people um, paying for it. Um, an interesting tidbit is this Surge fella was, um, from what I've been told, is basically the reason the Division franchise even exists. And it just, it sucks to know that a thing that um, I enjoy and that has been a big deal to me um, was kind of championed by this like piece of junk. And um, it definitely puts kind of a, a gross taste uh, in, into that. But it seems like they're um, hopefully going to pay their dues now. And and hopefully, you know, Ubisoft can, you know, root out these issues. But I think as long as their leadership is there, who's there, it's probably never going to be fully fixed. Uh, then I do have a few content updates. I said it before, but I have finally attained YouTube partnership. Um, that's really exciting. So if on the YouTube page, you should notice there is a, a join button. You can join as a member. It's kind of like a, a subscription on uh, Twitch. Uh, it's one, five or $10. And there are some little bonuses you can see in there. Uh, you also do get like little uh, subscriber badges and emotes to use when I live stream, which I do plan on doing. Um, I'm live streaming on which and YouTube now I have an easy way to do it. And so you can, uh, if you're a member on YouTube, you can come in and, uh, and, and show off, uh, some of those cool bonuses. Um, you can also do, I think it's like a super chat, uh, when I do stream or a super thanks or something on videos. If you want to throw me a few bucks, help me continue to upgrade my setup and justify the time I spend on this stuff. I very much appreciate it. Um, Patreon, I think I mentioned before has done a bunch of changes and updates. They have like, um, they, they've like redesigned their app and their website. And it looks like they're trying to get more like social stuff into their system. I'll utilize as much of the tools as they offer. Um, but my Patreon folks seem to just enjoy throwing me a few bucks and, and, and checking out the content when it comes out. Uh, so, you know, if, if there's any features or anything like that you want from Patreon, or if you aren't a patron and you would be, if I did a certain thing, just let me know. I'm willing to, uh, consider almost anything. Uh, then the last thing is um, the, uh, the the Twitter account for this podcast uh, at the bonfire is 
I'm only going to use it to post new episodes and ask for topics and questions. Um, I've been using it to like retweet industry stories and stuff like that. And it just seems it, it's really cluttered. It's it's really distracting to try to keep up on. So I have a app on Diesel account on Twitter that I'm pretty much going to exclusively use um, for retweeting and quoting and posting all my content and stuff like that. Uh, the at the bonfire account is just going to be for the podcast. So if you want to follow it to see when new stuff comes out, that's uh, that's what I would do. Listener questions. We have one question from Master Prime this week. Uh, if you have your own questions, be sure to check out the Google form questionnaire uh, that I have uh, posted in the Discord uh, and I post it on my Twitter as well. Uh, you can join the Discord and ask uh, questions or propose topics in there. Uh, you can ask in the YouTube comments and I will be sure to write it down for next week. Or you can hit me up on Twitter at Bond Diesel or at The Bonfire. This week's questions come from Master Prime. Uh, the first question is, do you expect Mass Effect 4 at least in 2027? Yeah, so Dreadwolf should come out in 2024. Um, I would expect, you know, we know that they're in pre-production on Mass Effect right now, and they have been probably for the last two or three years at least, and maybe even longer. So um, I'm expecting that to have a two or three year production cycle. So if that really starts in 2025, I would say 2027, maybe 2028 is most realistic at this point. That is notable because we know that Xbox is targeting 2028 for their next gen of consoles. And so I'll be really curious if um, if this game ends up being like an end of this generation game, which can be good because they've typically figured out the, the consoles and then they have the power of the new consoles to use. And it will be, you know, many years into Unreal Engine 5. So a lot of it's you know, issues and bugs that they're having issues with should be figured out by then. So that, you know, quality wise should be a good thing, but man, that's a long time to wait. So, but yeah, I think 2027 is a pretty realistic date for uh, the next Mass Effect. Uh, second question, in what game would you like to write a piece of media or lore? It might be The Division. I, I feel like there's like basically a unlimited number of stories and scenarios that you could, uh, come up with or explore in that universe um, because it's just so it's just so vast and so little has really been explored um, so I think that's a good one and then Baldur's Gate 3 just because you could be so silly with it you could have a lot of fun with doing something like that uh, so maybe those would be my uh, my two choices uh, then the last question uh, would you like to have uh, changeable basically like skins on the Xbox Series X uh, like they do on the PlayStation um, not really I actually think that that um, those like uh, magnetic foldable things that they put out uh, recently for the Series X is a really good solution um, you know doing the, the the panels that pop off and stuff like that to me is just like another point of you know, like like another complication. It's Sony is very much into their aesthetic, uh, where I think uh, Microsoft is much more, you know, bare bones, and we've seen that with these most recent consoles. Um, 
I think it's cool that they have the panels that pop up and pop off and they can replace them and stuff, but I'm, I'm perfectly happy to, I mean, my Xbox is, I, I haven't seen my series X in, in months. It's underneath this table that I do all my stuff on. It's actually sitting on top of a subwoofer. Uh, I can't see it. I haven't, I think I've seen my Xbox series X for like five minutes since I've owned it. <laughs> I've never, I just don't really look at it. So, um, I'm not too worried about it, but I'm sure there's plenty of people who wish there were some more, um, interesting options to do uh, i i do wish they would do more special edition consoles though that have like unique paint jobs and stuff like that on them um that would be pretty cool but we'll see if they ever do that and that's where we're gonna wrap this baby up so uh thank you for listening uh thank you so much uh, if you have any feedback or any thoughts on the show always feel free to reach out to me and let me know i'm always happy uh i'm, I'm uh, willing to hear uh feedback and criticisms and such as long as they're nice uh, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel on all social media. Uh, and then over at Twitch, you can find me as Bond Diesel, where I do try to stream a couple times a week. And that also will appear on YouTube. So you can follow me there as well. If you want to support my content, please check out patreon.com slash Bond Diesel. You can subscribe over at Twitch, especially if you have an Amazon Prime free sub. You can become a member on my YouTube at one, five or $10 tiers. Uh, or you can check out my merch at the link down in the description and the pinned comment. That's all I have for this one. So until next time. I'm <laughs> gonna